We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two. All engines running. Ten questions with Adam Joir. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. Welcome to another 10 questions. I'm halfway through this series where I interview a key creative from each of the ABC comedy showroom pilots. And I've enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. Today I'm speaking to Kate McLennan, who along with her co-collaborator Kate McCartney, has made a pilot called Bleak, which screens on Wednesday, May 19. Now, I've seen Kate McLennan around the traps for years, but I think this is our first ever conversation And what a conversation it was. Here she talks about staying in relationships too long, Katy Perry being a big fan, her amazing mother, her little baby, Dusty, and her collaboration with Kate McCartney, who she only ever refers to by her surname. Before Kate met McCartney, she was an actor who appeared on Offspring, Winners and Losers, The Mansion, as well as the sketch shows Let Loose Live and Ben Elton Live from Planet Earth. And as a comedian, she wrote and performed in 13 Melbourne International Comedy Festival shows and toured around the world. After meeting McCartney, an event that's happened relatively recently, the two of them made the worldwide smash hit web series The Catering Show and now Bleak. Forgive me for sniffing my way through this interview. I've got the flu, or as Amanda calls it, a cold. But whatever Kate says seems to transcend the ill voice on the other end of the line. As usual, I started by asking Kate when she was most happy. Look, to be the, the honest response would be probably three years ago at the Meredith Music Festival where... I was dancing like an idiot to Nile Rogers, but there were chemicals involved in that. So um, <laughs> I don't know if that's legitimate. It's it's a weird it's happiness. Like when I first read that question, I was uh, really like scared me. I'm like, mm. when? When was I most happy? And then I started to go, oh god, when? When was I? When was I really the most happy? And it's it's weird. There's so much stuff that's happened over the last twelve months that's been really good, but both like my writing partner McCartney and I, we, we've just had so much in our brains that I don't think we've allowed ourselves to really enjoy all of this stuff that's been mm. going on. So, you know, I think I need to just schedule some time to be happy. <laughs> just That makes me sound like I'm crying in a bathroom or something. I'm not. It's just, <laughs> you know, just doing, I'm just doing life. Yeah. But um, like my kids started crawling yesterday. And that was pretty oh. cool. Like that was a, yeah. you know, like I had a day off work and she started crawling properly because she'd just been shuffling and I met someone else. I went to, a, that's right, I went to my mother's group like for half an hour last week and I haven't been able to go to a mother's group since I had my baby because I just haven't had time because I've been working. Mm. So I went to this mother's group and up until then I thought I was really, like my kid was really advanced and then I got to mother's group and went, oh, no, she's just, she's not quite there. <laughs> <laughs> There's other kids crawling and standing up and, you know, clapping their hands and eating without getting food all over their, you know, person. <laughs> and so that- then, so like I've been putting in effort with her, like trying to get her to crawl and then yesterday she did crawl and I was like, okay. I'm not such a bad mother after all. So that was a happy moment. <laughs> is, is it a different kind of happiness than happiness that comes from 
uh, some sort of career achievement? Yeah, like it's like this real from the gut out happy. Like mm. you just it all like your body warms up. Yeah, and you, you like you can feel these sort of tears spring up behind your eyes, and you know, like it's a it's a um, I guess it's more of a primal kind of nothing else matters sort of happy. Yeah, like every, everything else could be turning to the shit, but that moment is you know this nice singular moment that makes all of that other stuff irrelevant. But the like the the work stuff is um I don't know like it, it, it the, the, I find all of that stuff quite overwhelming like all of these good things happen but it's like okay sure okay right yeah we, we've got when the first series um oh no it was after I'd had Dusty we got an email um from Sony um saying that Katy Perry really liked the show and wanted to make a video with us and Dusty was three weeks old and <coughs> she wanted us to fly over to LA to make a video. And, like, if that had happened any other time, it would be like, oh, my God, that's incredible. Yeah. But it was just like, oh, um, okay, so Dusty doesn't have a birth certificate yet, so now I have to go into the city to get a birth certificate. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to. Breastfed in public, like I hadn't left the house. It was just such a stress. Kate got the birth certificate and then there was radio silence from Perry's people. But as fate would have it, Perry's manager reconnected with the girls the day after I recorded this interview. And yes, the singer still wants to make a video with them. These weird, you know, things happen, but then the realities kick into gear. And so... You know, I guess we just keep putting off the celebration of the the good things. Although we did go to the Logies on Sunday night and did do a nice little cheers to, you know, the year that we've had. So that was pretty fun. Well, yeah, I mean, it happened so fast for you. And it, I I mean, when I say fast, I know you've been working solidly for a long time. (laughs) but, But the online nature, things explode overnight. Probably more so than television. Television is a bit of a slow burn, generally. You know, even with, say, a Crystal Lee stuff, it was still a slow burn and suddenly the world was talking about it. Whereas yeah. it almost happened, you, you dropped it. Weekend. and Yeah, and then suddenly you emerged from working comedian to superstar, it felt like, like over a weekend, as you say. And that, that yeah. must have been weird. It just took you know, a couple of websites to share this Thermomix episode of the catering show and and it just went crazy and, yeah, and just went from, you know, someone who has sort of been schlepping about town to, you know, I've walked down the street and I live in Preston in Melbourne and just, you know, walking and people, like I remember a guy jogging past me and then stopping and I got quite a fright and he said, oh, I just really love the catering show. See ya. Keep up the good work. And oh, just that's ran. brilliant. And just weird stuff like that started happening. And, yeah. You know, so there was this jump. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, and then, you know, while that was happening, I was pregnant and feeling very sick. And so most of the time, you know, we were getting asked to go and do press and we'd 
I was just vomiting in cars a lot. Like that's what that time reminds me of is just spewing in passenger seats. <laughs> it's funny, you know, you have to – uh, the universe makes sure that everything balances out. Yeah, very much so. So when did you and um, Kate McCartney meet and, and, and uh, when did you start working together? We met in 2011, but we'd had mutual friends for years. So our mate Declan Fay, like, had been trying to kind of matchmake us. Like, a lot of people have been trying to matchmake us as friends. Really? And we sort of were a bit wary of each other because, I don't know, I just feel like sometimes women are, you know, trained to be wary of each other. (laughs) And so... Pressure to be friends as well. That's yeah, hard. it's that same, like, being set up, you know. So we, mm. um, you know, we met and we were both kind of in a similar situation where we'd both kind of just come out of relationships and we'd both lost our jobs on things. She'd been working um, doing animation and I was working on Ben Elton's Life of Planet Earth. So we'd both been fired and then so we were in this really specific time in our lives where we, you know, we, um, we felt like... Um, life hadn't quite come through with the goods. So it was a good time for us to meet creatively. Yeah. And it kicked off from there. <clears throat> That's great. That's really it was really good. And good on Declan. I know. I uh, know. He um he made it all happen. He came through. Declan Fay is a comedian, author and broadcaster whose recent writing credits include Dirty Laundry Live and Ronnie Cheng International Student. The next question is who would you like to apologize to and why? Probably my mum. <laughs> my mum's like, my mum's sitting out in the lounge room looking after Dusty at the moment and oh. it's a week after Mother's Day and I still haven't got her Mother's Day present oh. and she <laughs> has come down, she comes down once a week from Geelong and she stays the night and she cleans my house from top to bottom. She does all the washing and ironing. She like will arrive every time she visits with something that I need for Dusty. So, you know, whether it's bottles or a new sleeping bag or something, like she's just, she just runs my life for me. So, and I, I just haven't even got, I haven't even had time to get her a Mother's Day present. Like I'm just, I'm the worst. Uh, just, is she a fan of the, the of, your, of your work? Has she always been a big supporter? Yeah, like I think they're <laughs> maybe a bit more, to begin with, a bit more worried for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the, you know, you've chosen a very hard life for yourself. True. Like, you know, I'm, you know, volunteering in the sedan or something like this. Yeah. <laughs> kind of worry, <laughs> the financial worry. I think she's she feels much better now that there's sort of been a little bit of success. Yeah. But I think now there's, you know, she sees how much work that involves, so... You know, there's the worry's been shifted to, you know, is she exhausted? <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 I mean, it just uh, it requires a lot of work in Australia to just keep your head above water financially yeah. in the yeah. entertainment industry. Um, what is your greatest regret? I wish, I wish this wasn't the answer. I wish that it was something else, but like something really piffy, but I, and I've tried to, I've tried for years to try and find some kind of um, positive, sort of, you know, a silver lining to this experience. But just my regret is to stay in crap relationships for too long. 
Yeah. Right. Like I've had two two major relationships before the one I'm in now. And I know people say, oh, but you learn, you know, you learn so much and, mm-hmm. you know, what you learn you then take into the next relationship and make that better. And but I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, yeah. you just need to get out. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if I learned. I don't know. There was the last relationship I was in was in, I was there for four years and two years in it was no good <laughs> and there was like this moment where I could have gone like I, I and I did go I went but then I came back and so I kick myself for not um not backing myself to have just cut it off yeah like I think it's weird I sort of you know I I don't I don't feel like it was a waste of my life, but, um, you know, and I don't feel like that because things have changed a lot since then. But perhaps if I was still single and not um, necessarily that happy, I probably would be really fucking furious. <laughs> I felt like, you know, yeah. I robbed of my, my, my prime, <laughs> out of my prime years. Yeah, yeah, you know, I divided the best years of my life to you kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, used to, I used to be hot and then uh, you robbed me of everything. <laughs> <laughs> you took me off the market when I was in my prime. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's like it is scary. Like I know loads of women that, um, you know, have been with people who don't want to have kids. Yeah. And then... You know, and so then, you know, watching them sort of go through, which is what I sort of went through is going, okay, well, we don't have to have kids now. We'll see how you feel later on or, or women that have gone, yeah. okay, maybe kids aren't part of my story so we'll stay and uh, and then they break up and then the dude goes and has a kid with someone else and then the woman yes. is single and or, or, you know, meets someone when she's 42 and can't have kids anymore. And like just that classic story. It, it um, is tragic and it's, do you know another thing and it's not um that i that i see um and since we're kind of talking about show business to an extent i do see a lot of women from their mid-20s to their late 30s just wasting a whole lot of time working for film and television production companies like working 16 hour days seven days a week and they wake up and they're 42 yeah and they've devoted all that time to this industry which is a very harsh mistress and um, and yeah, and then they've kind of forgotten to have a life. There, there are a lot of women in our industry, and, and like and in comedy as well. I, I see it too, like uh, mm. um, who have a maternal instinct, and then that's put onto um, kind of hopeless male actors, or yes. hopeless, you know, it's sort of, or you know, other producers, or you know, these sort of helping the career, uh, other people's careers. Yep. And um, like a lot of self-sacrificing going on. Yes. So you know, it's um, it's quite. I don't know. Is it about self-worth? Is it that they just don't? Like I, I don't know. I think this is what you know. I can only speak to my experience, but that's how I kind of felt. Like I didn't have the confidence to kind of just call it and go out on my own and value myself. I sort of put myself second. And so it's you know I wish I wish I'd had the balls to just kind of walk away, just be a tough nut about it. 
I just sort of waited until um, the decision was made for me. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> then I got really indignant going, you're breaking up with me? Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. I've wanted to break up with you for two years. So it's, you know. It is yeah. a familiar story and, you, yeah. yeah, you're not the first to have walked that, <laughs> no. that particular path. Um, yeah, and also, I mean, guys are shocking at it too, you know. A lot of guys are pretty... Apathetic, apathetic and will just hang out with someone they're not compatible with. Yeah. Just because they've got a, you know, a washer-dry combo or something yeah. like that. And, yeah, I think my, my ex was like because I had a car and he was a drummer, so it was just easier for him to get his shit around. <laughs> it's terrible. Can you imagine the, the list of, like, you know, the positives Broke. about Kate and negatives about Kate? She's got a car. Yeah, I can fit my bass drum in her boot. <laughs> so how long after that relationship did you meet your current partner? That, um, yeah. that would have been like two years. Okay, okay. So it wasn't – it was a good amount of time. Yeah, yeah. Well, Just you know what? You, you, go out and be a rat bag and yeah. have fun for a couple of years. And you um, – yeah, you, it's like you – you served your penance and <laughs> you paid off whatever yeah. misdeeds you've done in the past or in past lives. And suddenly... and now I have the perfect life. You do. <laughs> mm. Okay, that leads into this question. What will you still need to do to feel you've lived a satisfactory life? Mm. Mm. What, do, what, do, what do I need to do? I feel like there's there's lots of big things that I'd like to do. Like this career stuff, like I, I want to make a film. I reckon a film would be fun to do and mm. I want to make it good. Um, but I think what I've, I guess over the last couple of years it's been a bit of an eye-opener in terms of like my place within the industry, the in in the world of showbiz, and sort of really looking at how women are represented across all aspects of a production, I suppose you know from the story and on screen, mm. and even just and and people with you know more diverse kind of backgrounds. And we we did a pilot, well, a web series version of our pilot bleak it's very complicated but we did and we had um we cast an actress who's fantastic playing my best friend character her name's Mingju He and she um she did such a great job in the show and when we released the show we were amazed on Twitter how many people we got responding to us who were Asian so um Mm. who were just it was like the response was quite overwhelming and it made me really understand how so many people just don't have their experience represented on TV mm. and on this, you know, or, you know, anywhere really. And so that was something that I guess has set McCartney and I on a bit of a path in terms of we want to just have lots of female stories at the forefront and we just we've been really um, quite protective of our ideas, you know, even with the catering show, there's there were a couple of episodes that we had where 
other people had given us notes that, you know, it might not have been their experience so they didn't understand where we were coming from when we were putting a particular view forward. Mm. Um, And we sort of, instead of sort of going, oh, yeah, you're right, we should cut that bit, we should take that bit out, it's not working, we're like, no, we think maybe you're not getting it because that's not part of your experience, that's not um, something that you relate to because you haven't been through that. But there are many, many other people who do understand it. So we're going to put it in for them. And so we're sort of trying to, I guess, be mindful of that in the work that we create. Mm. So I guess that's sort of like a really big sort of life mission. If we can make people feel like they're um, embraced and that their stories are being sort of told on screen. Absolutely. That would be really great. And then, you know, from a from more of a practical sense, like the stuff that we've come up against in making shows while we've got little kids. Yeah. Um that's been really that's been really full on of how the entertainment industry is really not geared um to that life at all. Here Kate spoke about her battle to get paid parental leave and said that Centrelink still finds it difficult to handle people who are freelance or running their own business? I think as a grand, grand plan, if there's some way that we can just make it a little bit easier for mums and even dads who, you know, have, you know, just everyone to feel like they can have that a bit more of a work-life balance. So that's kind of our, you know, philosophy with our company that we want to try and make that all a little bit easier for everyone. The next question is who is the person who most influenced you and how? It sounds a little bit wanky, but, and she'd hate me if she heard this, but like McCartney, I'd have to say, is she's had a huge influence on me because she makes me be better. Mm. She sort of calls me on, or calls us both, I guess, you know, she, she makes us step up more. And she has very high standards. She's very, um, very um yeah she's a high achiever so you know everything has to be really um not well as close to perfect (laughs) as we can make it so she's she's really exacting so that's kind of there's been a a step up in what I've done since I've started working with her but then you know from um you know other perspectives like we're both I think we're both really good for each other in that we we're both a little bit hopeless when it comes to dealing with other people and admin and business like we're both pretty shit so we're learning that and we've you know sort of learned along the way that we have to have you know a bit of a, a code of ethics of how you it's like what sort of people do we want to be in the world in, in this industry so you know we've we've found that um, that line together, which That's has good. been, yeah. And she's a, you know, she's a really good mum. She had a kid six months before me. So she's just gone and learnt everything and done all the research. So I don't have to. So I, <laughs> I just basically, I just constantly, you know, I'm sending her text messages going, my kid needs a sippy cup. What should I buy? Um, you know, when can my kids start eating eggs? My kid, should my kid be in a bassinet yet? Should my kid 
Like, what can my kid do to, I don't know, <laughs> poo? She no. knows a lot about how to make your kid poo. Um, <laughs> so she's probably, she's had the most effect on me, I think, over the last sort of five or six years. Absolutely. You know, obviously there's your parents and, you know, your family, but she's probably, things things changed when I met her. So she comes from a writing background. Are you more so than performing and you're more performing than writing or does it doesn't matter? Um, it's, yeah, she sort of, she was performing when she was in her 20s and then was writing but then she sort of went off and did animation. She'd had enough of the industry oh, and right. went and yeah, did animating and then I, I kind of started off doing acting and then moved into comedy and then I did. It's actually funny. She did an episode of Offspring the other day and I was saying to her how I did an episode in 2010 and that day <laughs> I just had a really weird experience on set. Like I was just, I didn't have a great day and I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. I don't want to be an actor anymore. I've had enough. And so I went and enrolled in a professional writing course at RMIT and started doing stand-up. And so that was, I kind of walked away from it. And then, yeah, and then we've both come back to performing. And McCartney, was she's dead against acting. She's like, I don't want to, I don't want to perform. I just want to write and direct. Mm. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I'll perform. I'll, I'll yeah, no, I'll get it. And she's the one she keeps getting called up to go and do things. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Isn't it so random that the good days, you know, you can go into one production and literally have the time of your life. You just think acting is just so magnificent. It's such a wonderful thing to do. And, I'm, you know, you're walking on air and then you can go into another production and for some reason – could be the, it could be personnel, it could be the part you're playing, whatever. Um, it just it's just such a woeful time. It just it's, yeah. I mean, this, I've never done a job that has so such extremes attached to it. Yeah, that one day you can walk into a show and you might know some people on set, and it's like, yeah, this is great. You know, I'm yeah. hanging out with my friends and I'm eating free food. And then another day you'll go. You know, like I remember going to an audition where I was told to put a paper bag on my head. Oh. In the audition. Oh, my God. <laughs> we wrote and doing lines with a paper bag on my head and going, what, why did I let myself do that? Yeah. Like, why? Like, this is so demoralising and degrading. Oh, like, no. just, you know, like it, it is so extreme, so extreme. And doing stand-up is, you know, is like that but even worse, you know, that you can – be performing around the traps in Melbourne and people sort of get to know you and, you know, and you have, you know, these great gigs of these socially aware people who are quite progressive and quite switched on in terms of comedy terms and then you go and do a gig in Queensland, you know, regional Queensland and get up there and they're just like, who's this chick on stage? I don't want to listen. I'm going to get a drink. This is my time to go to the bar while the girl's on. So it's really, you know, it it really has a way of bringing you back down to earth. There's nothing like the the drive home after a bad gig. (laughs) Yeah, and the lying in bed that night just going, I should have said this, I should have said that. Yeah, yeah, hating yourself. 
Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. was the last when was the last time you cried and why? Um oh god, this is so embarrassing. I so when we were shooting Gatoring, the very first day of shooting, um Ronnie Cheng came on as our guest star and because of the scheduling um with us working around Ronnie being on the daily show, he could only shoot on a Saturday. So he flew home on New Year's Eve or flew to Melbourne on New Year's Eve and we shot the show in a day or his episode in a day. And the ep is all about um, him in the series it's the seventh episode. So, you know, McCartney and I very much established as these two co-hosts and then this third person comes in and, um, you know, breaks everything up and I become very much the third wheel. And... <laughs> Um, and it was the first day of us shooting and we hadn't, um, we hadn't ever worked with a guest before and, you know, there were, it was a tight turnaround and, you know, we hadn't worked in ages, you know, in front of the camera. And so it was quite a, you know, in my head, it was a bit of a, um, high pressure day. And so Ronnie came in and I know Ronnie quite well, but Ronnie and McCartney sort of just, you know, kind of getting to know each other. And they really hit it off. Yep. Because, <laughs> and, and, like, Ronnie and I have toured together, you know, we went to India together a couple of years ago. And so we kind of have more of a, um, like, a brother-sister relationship yeah. where, he, you know, he's just sort of having a go at me all the time and I'll have a go at him and it's very combative, I suppose. And so he's just... He's just at one point he the first scene that he's in he's bent like down below the desk of the the kitchen bench and he pops up and at one point he just started poking up my ankles and going why are your ankles so large oh, wow <laughs> and like and we've got this joke in the show that I've got these fluid retentive ankles because like my nan's ankles and it's just this recurring thing but because I just had a baby as well I was very self-conscious about my body yeah yeah and then like throughout the day like Ronnie and McCartney were just sort of like over laughing over you know on a different part of set and I was (laughs) like forgetting my lines and the director was getting a bit stroppy with me and um there was a bit where I had to be quite angry and it wasn't quite coming off and we had to change some stuff around and I was just, I felt like everyone was like getting stuck into me and then McCartney was just like, just sort of had eyes for Ronnie and we, so it was like the script was sort of coming to life on set in a very real way. You poor thing. And that thing. night I went home and I was saying to my partner, Joel, I'm like, I don't think McCartney likes working with me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I feel I'd had a cry on the couch. I was just like, I don't think McCartney finds me funny because, like, her and Ronnie were just giggling all the time and then any time I said anything, they didn't even really kind of listen to me. <laughs> I'm like, I just think, you know, I just don't think she's that interested in me anymore. <laughs> What's going to happen? This is the first day. If this is what it's going to be like on the first day, how am I going to get through the next three weeks? And then I'm like, if McCartney doesn't work with me, what have I got? (laughs) Does McCartney know all about this now? No, I haven't told him. Oh, this is going to be great. I was a little bit kind of um, a little bit 
like upset about the ankle comment. There was something else that they said as well. I can't remember. There was another insult that was directed towards me. I, I can't remember what it was. But... Oh, I, I, I relate completely. <laughs> A similar thing happened to me recently on on set, and where you, I'm working with people I don't really know, and I'm playing a character that's not very likable, and so they they take everyone takes that off set. Yeah. You know, and suddenly <laughs> I'm the unlikable human as well as as character, uh, you know, as well as the character. You know, everything yeah. about me is repugnant. Well, that's and you know, and the crew didn't, you know, because I was sort of playing. I'm a little bit racist towards Ronnie in the episode as well and also I was a little bit racist in some scenes that didn't make it into the show. So what's in the show is kind of just a little taste of what, what you know, has ended up on the editing room floor. But And so the crew were not like... And there were new crew members as well, so it wasn't like they were going to like, oh, she's being, this is, you know, this is a joke. It was like, she's an, yeah, she's an asshole. She, she's a racist <laughs> with big ankles. <laughs> So, um, you know, so why is she even here? Ronnie and McCartney have much better chemistry. Let's just <laughs> stick with this journey. <laughs> um, Kate, what is your current state of mind? Um, I'm a little bit tired but it's the weekend and I don't have to work and it's sunny and this afternoon I'm going to catch up with some friends at a pub and I haven't done that in a really long time. So I am pretty good. Oh, that's good. Life's pretty good today. That's so I'd good. say I'm happy today. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you consider your greatest achievement? I'm supposed to say my baby. Oh, look. Well, everyone says their baby, good. but you can, you can. Yeah. That's like, take, we'll take for granted your baby is your greatest achievement. Yeah. Okay. So putting her aside. As I often do, um, <laughs> I think I think just the last I don't know, like the last twelve months has been pretty good. Like it's been a crazy ride. So I think to have made it through without needing to go to a hospital for a little bit of a rest, <laughs> um, I think is an achievement. <laughs> I think because it's just there's yeah there's been a lot going on so just to have made it through I think is yeah and to still have everything kind of intact like my relationship's still good my family don't hate me too much you know like I think that's probably that's probably my greatest achievement so far yeah yeah, I reckon. And McCartney still finds you funny. Well, <laughs> I reckon she does. I think, yeah. We started working on something else yesterday. We had our first kind of day, and you know, there were a couple of things that you know within the day that we, you know, really lost it at each other about, and that's good. Like that's still, yeah, that we still have the magic. Yeah, because yep. that's just as much of a relationship as my actual, like, romantic relationship. Yeah. Like, that, that needs just as much work as, you know. Yeah. They, they both need, yeah, they both need nurturing. Oh, the writing partner. I mean, you know, that the, there should, I don't think there are enough books on, on um, there's a lot of books on how to keep a romantic relationship together but not 
many books on how to keep a like a writing creating relationship yeah. together. Yeah. It should be because, you know, look at all the bands and comedy duos that have broken up over the years and harmoniously. It's um yeah, it's it's interesting. Like we've had moments like it just like with that acting stuff, like a couple of years ago McCartney was cast in something playing a stand up comedian and I'm like, I am a stand up comedian. <laughs> <laughs> She was doing it. She was in it. It was that um, time of our lives. And, you know, she's standing up there doing this scene. She's got the microphone in her hand with a mic stand. And I'm like, you've got to move the mic stand out of the way. That's how a stand-up comedian does stand-up. Get the mic stand out of the way. And I was furious and I was so jealous. And then it took me months to just go, no, that can't, you can't do that. That's, that's really destructive. You need to just park that feeling that's completely stupid to feel like that and you know you got to put your ego aside so this you know mo- stuff like that where I've learned and gone okay if this is to continue there can't be any jealousy going on this is no that's true that's true but um, what a what a testing <laughs> thing to be put through when you're the stand-up and let's be honest standing up stand-up is hard and it takes many 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 gigs before you can actually yeah, there's you know, a lot of do it. <laughs> hocking your wares around town on cold Melbourne nights to, oh. you know, six people in an audience. I mean, seriously, it's like this is what you do. Instead of staying home, staying home in a warmth watching Netflix, you're going out to a pub where you're in this back room with a whole lot of grimy 20-something male comedians generally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talking about wanking. Yeah, and- who all hate you because you've been on television. And um, yeah. and then and you, got just, you only got on TV just because you're a woman. That kind of yeah, attitude yeah. in the backstage. He's not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then you, yeah, I mean, come, you know, it's a it's a hard thing to do. So when when someone when your writing partner has no interest in acting or stand up, <laughs> gets cast as stand up, that's just that's God playing a practical joke. That yeah. Is, yeah, it's just there to test you. Good on you for getting over it. <laughs> yes, I've I've had to learn. I've had to learn that that's I can't get I can't engage with that. I just have to. Good on her. No, I'm happy for her. Oh, I'm know, very I... happy for her, and she's <laughs> buying drinks next time I see her. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, some of the be- you know when you're in a writing partnership, that some of the things that are said to you, like I remember being in a meeting with a whole lot of producers. With um, Jason Gann and I were in a meeting. They wanted us to do, host some show because you got you know those things happened when you're in a writing duo. And mm-hmm. um, they go, well, Jason will obviously do this bit because he's the good looking one. <laughs> and um, you know, it's just like bizarrely <laughs> kind of like offensive things that are bound to undermine the relationship. Yeah. Well, we've had. Um, I haven't gone on to it because I can't. I can't let myself um, be exposed, but um, there's like Reddit polls about which one of us is the most fuckable. Oh, heavens. <laughs> heavens. It's so, it's so, it's so offensive. And you just, you know, but there's part of me that goes, okay, well, which one? Which one? And then you go, no, I'm not, not going to ask that question. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. There's nothing um, good to be found there. Oh. No, there isn't. We did a, um, an interview, the, the two of us, and a couple of weeks ago, and the 
guy who was interviewing us was quite young and he said, going, yeah, the stuff that people say about you on YouTube, the comments. I was like, we don't read the comments. He's like, yeah, it's really full on. We don't read the comments. Yeah, like they say. <laughs> I was just like, dude, we don't want to know. We don't want to know. Oh. <laughs> but, you, yeah, I think going back to the question, the the maintaining of that relationship is, um, yeah, it is. We're doing all right on that front. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. The next question is who would you want on your side in a battle and why? Um, I, I feel like I'd want someone, you know, I guess it depends on the battle that you're in, mm. but it, it could be good to have someone really annoying <laughs> with you. On the, you know, like I feel like I'd want someone who's just going to drive everyone a bit crazy and then they'll just retreat of their own accord. Just go, you, you, you guys win. I just can't, I just can't deal with you anymore. So I don't know if it just needs to be some sort of like, I don't know who's who's really annoying. Like, does, I just keep thinking of someone like Sam Newman or some kind of really yeah. dead-headed football kind of <laughs> Channel Nine personality. <laughs> Just like just <laughs> maybe Christopher Pine, you know, just yeah. have Christopher just wind him up and have him just sort of speak and let everyone kind of just back away quietly. Just we're like sort of wind up metal toys just coming towards you with just our voices just sort of penetrating people's <laughs> eardrums and they just have to they just kind of wither away. Yeah. Just get out of our soundscape. <laughs> um, the last question is, what would you like your last words to be? <laughs> Do you reckon you could say, I, I could say, it's like, I think I'm running out of battery. Can you just plug me? And then just that's it, just ends there, which is kind of funny, but at the same time it's a bit annoying as well. So, like, it would be good to sort of just give people a reason to be happy that you're gone, sort of just. To help them get through it. Like, I'm sad she's gone, but she was she was a little bit annoying, wasn't she? I'm just glad to have, to have a little bit of a break from her, to be honest. You know, that would be good to just, you know, kind of ease the suffering of your loved ones around you if they were just slightly, slightly happy that maybe you're gone. We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two. All engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. 